be like T-ball pretty soon. Hutchin and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He called him safe! He called him safe! Unbelievable! That is remarkable. That is unbelievable! The throw beat him by a mile! Live. Did he get him? Oh, he tapped in the entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it and doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made it. He bumped him and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Cross Strike 3. Osmosis. Cross Strike 3. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The Doctor, T.C. Martin. No, goodness no, gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The Doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. T.C. Martin on assignment today in Houston. Stevie Slapshot filling in. At 3.30, we're going to have Jay Cornegate from the Westgate. But right now, we go to our Major League Baseball correspondent in Houston, Mr. T.C. Martin. And T.C., spot on. Spot on yesterday. <laughs> he did bounce back. 11 strikeouts. And a guy that we talked about, Jeremy Pena with a homer. Also, uh, Guriel and McCormick hit home runs. And it's a uh, game one victory for the Houston Astros. Steve, you don't forget, the Astros had 17 strikeouts on the Yankees. And uh, the most of the Yankees uh, have ever had. Seven of those came from the bullpen after Justin Verlander exited after a little bit of a high pitch count, but he was rolling along. He had 10, and then, uh, the, the team had, had uh, 17, 7 over the. So think about that. The last nine outs, Astros relief pitchers got seven of those nine by way of the K. So uh, very impressive. And here's another fun fact for you, Stevie, as you, I'm sure you know. Six home runs yesterday, four by the Astros, two by the Yankees, all solo shots. Every run accounted for by a solo home run. If I told you, and you did not know the score, that we were going to have six home runs in that game, what would you venture the final score to be? No, it'd be flying over. It'd be like a 10-6 game. It'd be like a Wrigley Field game back in the day, right? Right. Yeah. No, that was impressive. So now, what? So we we talked about yesterday that Verlander was going to make adjustments but I, I don't know that he named him. Did you, watching him pitch, did you figure out what the adjustments were that he made? You know, it was just for, I'll tell you where he made the adjustments. He made the adjustments from after the second inning on. And we had a very uh, tight strike zone. And the umpire, if you watched that, the home plate umpire yesterday, I mean, man, his, he had a postage stamp strike zone, but he was getting away, uh, giving away the, the high strikes. And uh, so Verlander saw that, so he started elevating his fastball a little bit. And then I just noticed mm-hmm. how he was really just, you know, working the count in his favor as the game progressed here. And then, you know, there were people, you know, sitting around me saying, hey, he, he probably needs to come out of the game, like around the, the third inning. I said, you know what? I said, you got to hang with him. Dusty's going to hang with him because there's a big drop-off between, you know, your ace on the staff and then going to middle relief, and sure enough, Verlander got it together, did not give up a hit after the second inning, and then those innings, three, four, five, and six, he just started rolling, and he just uh, really started commanding the strike zone a little bit more. He was amping up with the, the fastball, and uh, it was very, very impressive. So tonight, it's uh, Framber Valdez for the Houston Astros against uh, Severino for the Yankees. Valdez, a left-hander against a predominantly right-handed hitting lineup for the Yanks, but Valdez, his out pitch is not easy to handle for right-handers, is it? No, not at all. And, you know, again, with Framber, he has the uh, highest ground ball percentage rate in all of Major League Baseball for starting pitchers. So the Astros feel very, very confident with Framber on the mound. Like you talked about before, he is the only left-hander they have. They don't have a left-handed reliever, Will Smith, who they brought over from Atlanta in the trade midseason. He really wasn't getting the job done. So they said, you know what? Hey, we're, we're going to go with right-handed pitching, basically, 
uh, throughout our pitching, you know, rotation, the starting staff as well as the, the relieving staff. And uh, they, they believe in Framber, and why not? The guy's been phenomenal. As you know, he set a, a record, Major League Baseball record, for 25 consecutive quality starts. And, you know, quality starts are six innings, giving up three earned runs or less. And he's been phenomenal uh, all season long, and he gets the ball down. And if you look at the Yankees, they're a big free-swinging team, a lot of swing and misses. They're, they're home run guys. But Valdez keeps the ball down, so that's going to bode well. So, again, I feel very confident the Astros are going to win this game tonight. They'll be up two games to none because when you have, you know, your 1-1A one one pitchers going in Verlander and Valdez, I, I really believe with this home crowd and the way the Yankees' bats are right now, they're kind of silent, uh, advantage Astros. Did, did the Yankees at all look sluggish to you last night after, you know, there was some celebration in New York and then – the long trip early in the morning, you know, getting up early for batting practice and, and playing the game last night. Did, did that any of that show up with them? So a couple things. Uh, they did get in at 3 o'clock in the morning in Houston. So conventional wisdom says, okay, they're going to be a little bit tired. They took kind of a, a mini batting practice, you know, earlier in the day. But it's just the way that this team carries themselves against the Astros. It's just not a confident look. And we talked about before how the Astros have dominated the Yankees in the postseason, you know, going back every year, you know, basically the last six seasons. And then this year, if you look at all the combined innings, the, the Yankees only led for two innings after the entire, you know, uh, the seven regular season games where the Astros won five of those seven. And so you, they just don't look confident when they play the Astros. And you saw that same thing again last night with the body language. Now, when they got off to the, the early lead with the solo homer by, by Bader, it was like, okay, you know, they, they had a little, a little pump. But after that, it just kind of dissipated. And then when the Astros answered the bell, you could just see the body language in the Yankees dugout. It was like, wow, here we go again. And, again, we've seen that. You know, in the postseason, we saw it during the course of this regular season. So I just think that the Yankees are not a confident bunch, Stevie, against the Astros. And, you know, like I've been talking about, this bullpen is so erratic. You don't know what you're going to get. And you got Aaron Boone mixing and matching, and he did it again last night. I mean, we talked about Jamison Tyon. He starts the game. He gets lifted. And then they bring in Schmidt. And Schmidt was a guy that closed, attempted to close, you know, game number three against Cleveland, and now you're bringing this guy in in the, in the fourth and the fifth inning. It just Aaron Boone just does not have a an idea or a pulse what to do with his pitching staff. In particular, the Yankees ought to be afraid of Houston Astros shortstops. I mean, first it was Carlos Correa, and now th- this kid Jeremy Pena. He's got star written him all, all all over him. TC. Yeah, he does. You know, we've talked about it before. Where you know, when Carlos Correa was a free agent, he really wanted to stay in Houston. He wanted to, to be there with his boys, with Altuve and Bregman and, and everybody else, who, you know, Gurriel, who have, who have come up through the Astros organization. And, you know, he, his agent said, hey, we can go get you this, you know, $350 million contract, $400 million contract, but it didn't happen. So he went to the Twins and Carlos Correa made a smart, you know, decision as far as, you know, doing a one-year opt-out uh, clause, which you never see a guy who signed a big free agent contract, but the Twins signed off on that. Now Carlos Correa is a free agent again. But the reason why the Astros did not match that offer is because they said, hey, man, we'd love to have you stay here, but we can't pay you this. We're not going to pay you this. We didn't pay Garrett Cole that. We didn't pay George Springer, free agents that left before him, part of that, you know, great Astros teams in the past. They said, we got this kid, Jeremy Pena, down in the minors. So it's Pena's time to shine. And Pena's struggled the beginning part of the season, but man, he just got better as the season progressed. He still has some problems with the curveball. And again, teams have gotten smarter over the last couple months of the season, you know, trying to pitch him away where well, he will go down and fish. But again, he had that breakout series against the Mariners and uh, he has continued on here with the Yankees. And uh, I see Pena, you know, starting to be a little bit more patient. And if you can lay off that curveball, and just you know, wait for, and sit for the fastball. You're going to get those results like you saw last night with him going deep. How close do you get to the uh, the Yankees clubhouse dugout? I'm I'm just wondering if uh, if if you, Aaron, we're we're both from NorCal, and so so is Aaron mm-hmm. Judge, and he's talked about 
uh, going to San Francisco. Is is that a ploy to to uh, uh, negotiate a, a a deal, or is he really interested in going there? Is anything coming out from the Yankees about that? No, I mean they're all tight-lipped about that. You know, no one's going to talk about potential free agents, free agency, or trades or any of that matter. I mean, everything is, you know, that that stuff is just shut down. So that's just fodder that's coming from people in the media. Uh, Yankees aren't thinking about that. I, I, I'll tell you what. The, the 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 real talk is like okay how much confidence does this team have uh Aaron Boone is he going to be secure in his job you know we talked about Dave Roberts you know blowing it again for the Dodgers the Dodgers came out and made a statement well yeah you know we're we're sticking with with Dave Roberts trust me Steve if this team loses this series the Yankees and if they get swept or they lose in five games you know how the New York uh, situation is man they are going to be that they're going to be swirling that around. And that's legitimate because a lot of people didn't think Aaron Boone should have got the job for the first place. He had no managerial experience at all. And now you go into the big apple and now you're, you know, managing a team with, you know, a 200, you know, plus million dollar payroll and you can't get the job done. You faltered after the all-star break. And now you're going to lose to Houston again. If that happens, I mean, that's, what everyone's talking about around the Yankee circles. It's, it's a huge advantage, isn't it? Uh, TC, I mean, we're, we we love Dusty, but it, the, the the managerial advantage here is 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 great and 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 in Houston's favor. One hundred percent. I mean, a veteran like Dusty, and we talked about it before. He's the only guy that could have came in here and taken this job under these circumstances, going back in twenty twenty, and uh, he just you know has total command of the clubhouse. These players love him, and again, he's a guy that you know manages, you know, from his gut, great feel. He uses the analytics. He does get a lot of, you know, stuff that comes from upstairs. And I can tell you firsthand, personally, you know, I see how he reacts to that. And he has no problem of telling the guys in the upper management, you know, no, I don't want to do this. I'll give you an example here. When the trading deadline, I was here. I was with him, you know, when the trading deadline happened here back in July. And they wanted to basically replace Yuri Gurriel and, uh, and Maldonado, the catcher in the first baseman situation. And Dusty says, no, these are my guys. You know, what you don't understand about Gurriel, this guy has done it all. This guy played in the World Baseball Classic. He played, you know, played in Cuba. And here's what people do not understand. When you come from a country like that, you play for your right to eat. And this is no joke. This is serious. That guys get paid when you play in foreign countries like that, especially down the Dominican Republic and in Cuba and countries like that, if you don't produce, you don't eat. And that is true. And a lot of people do not understand that unless you've been there and you witnessed it or, you you know, again, you talk to people like Dusty who have, who have lived it with these players. So it's like, okay, you know, Yuri Gurriel has, you know, when you have to, to fight for your job, you know, here in the United States, like you sign a big contract, you feel like, okay, it's, it's a cushion thing. That's why Gurriel is in his you know, mid to late 30s, and he continues to work harder than anybody else. And when you have guys like that, you, you don't want to discard those guys. So management said, hey, we get guys like Trey Mancini or Vasquez. Are you going to play him? Dusty says, yeah, I'm going to play him. But, you know, they're, they're going to have to fit in where they fit in, and we're not going to make these household changes unless guys are really, really struggling. So he's done a fantastic job of managing that situation, and look at the results. I mean, 106 wins, uh, number one seed throughout the playoffs now. Uh, so, again, yeah, it, it's great to have a manager like Dusty who has a great feel for the game and, and has a relationship with these players, and these players love him. TC, in the uh, National League Championship Series, it's 1-1. Philadelphia got one on the road in San Diego. They now go back to Philadelphia tomorrow. Your thoughts on the uh, on the National League Championship Series, how it plays out the rest of the way. On uh, In tomorrow's game, it's going to be Musgrove versus Suarez for Philadelphia. You know, I think pitching matchup in favor of San Diego. I like Musgrove. I'm not a Suarez guy. And this is where Philadelphia gets themselves in a little bit of trouble. You know, game one and two starters, those guys are great. You got Wheeler and you got Nola. But then there's a severe drop-off. And then there's a drop-off in the bullpen as well, too. But... Well, that being said, Philly has a great home field advantage as well, too. They play so much better at home. 
and talk about, you know, you know, this place here at Minute Maid Park where these Astro fans just show out. I mean, Philly is the exact same way. They haven't been in the postseason since 2011. You saw what they did against the Braves. So I think Philly's going to rise up here. And, uh, you know, even though they don't have a pitching advantage in game number three, I think they win two out of the three games in Philly. But it's kind of a, a hard series to, to pick. I mean, look what happened in game number two. The first score we saw yesterday was Philly got up 4 nothing. Then next thing you know, it's 4-2. Next thing you know, the Padres come battling back and then win the game 8-5. So I think this that series will probably go seven games. So it's a hard series to figure. I'm with you there. I, 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 I took uh, Philadelphia both games in San Diego and, and, and split there. I don't know what to do with tonight's game. I, I feel like Musgrove's a better pitcher, but Philadelphia's at home and the, and, the, and the price doesn't really give me anything to work with. So I'm, I'm going to skip tonight's game, see how it goes, and then, then maybe we'll have some wagering down the line. Yeah, and, that, and that, remember, they play. there's a travel day for them, so they actually play tomorrow. So the only game on the docket tonight is this one, the Yankees and, and the Astros. So you got another day, Stevie, to, to contemplate that and, and think about it and handicap a little bit more. I, 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 think, I still think I'm going to skip it. I still think I'm yeah, going to skip yeah. that one. All right. Yeah, so, I agree. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Now, so uh, obviously we're, we're we're thinking that that Valdez has the game tonight, so that would that would put Houston up two nothing if that happens. How do you think the rest of the series plays out between the Yankees and the Astros? So when they go to New York, obviously that's gonna you know the crowd will be electric in New York, and probably advantage Yankees for Game Three if they start Garrett Cole, and I think one of the reasons why. Boone, and I give him a little bit of credit here uh, for starting Cole at home instead of here in Houston. I think that he, he would freak out a little bit here, and he's one of those guys that just uh, he, he's kind of schizo with his personality and everything, and plus it'll be his regular rest. So I probably think advantage Yankees in game three. McCullers will go who's a veteran. He's used to pitching on the road, so Dusty's got no problem with, with McCullers pitching on the road, uh, but you know, probably advantage Yankees in that game three. That's why tonight's pretty pivotal because the Yankees want to come out here with a split because they think they have an advantage coming up in the next game. Astros want to win this game. They want to be up 2-0 and then, you know, kind of see what happens from there. But I still think it's the Astros series just because of the the pitching question marks, especially in the bullpen that the Yankees have. And again, I mean, any team that strikes out 17 times the way they did last night and just you know, not looking good at all, I mean, think about it. the Yankees did not have a hit after the second inning last night. Astros just shut them down. So that's how I think that part's going to go. I'll tell you this, Stevie. Here's an interesting part, too. So talking with Dusty last night after the game, it was like, you know, Major League Baseball dictates everything, and especially in the postseason. So tonight the roof is going to be opened here at Minute Maid Park, and the Astros are not happy about that. Now, you'll read reports that say, oh, the Astros – uh, have elected to, uh, you know, open the roof tonight. It's not their call. Major League Baseball, you know, is, is making that call. They have a meeting before prior to game number one where they meet with the managers and, and the brass and, and and everybody. It sits in this meeting and they go, okay, here's what we're doing for this series. And there's, there's other changes like more mound visits allowed and other things of that nature. And they go, we're going to open the roof. And frankly, you know, you know, Dusty wasn't really happy about that. Because the Astros have only played three games all season with an open roof. They played 84 games at home to date. You know, the 81 regular season games and the three postseason games. And so they're not used to really playing with this roof open. And what it does, now tonight there's really no wind to speak of, but when you open it, 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 it causes the ball to carry more towards right field. And, uh, and again, there are Major League Baseball you know, conspiracy theorists who think like, Oh, okay. Well, Major League Baseball wants you know you know the Yankees to to win, and there there is a little bit of validity, believe it or not, you know about that. You know the, the Yankees, and especially if they fall behind, Major League Baseball wants the series to go the way, and the Yankees are America's darling. That's why the Yankees are involved in the primetime games, the nighttime games, all the time, and they're a home run hitting team too. So that actually could help them a little bit here, but uh, they are dictating that because uh, it's a little warmer day here in Houston. It was a high of 81, but, uh, you know, it, it's just an interesting little kind of subplot of, like, if it was up to the Astros, they'd keep it closed because, basically, you know, they're used to playing this way here. 
it's happened before. Um, TC, it's happened in Milwaukee and it's happened in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe uh, in those cases as well, uh, the clubs wanted the roof closed and Major League Baseball said, no, the roof will be open. So the, yes. the, there's something about Major League Baseball wanting the roof open in the playoffs. And I'll take, yeah, and you know what it is? <laughs> this is going to sound really weird to a lot of the people, but this is it. It's better for television. It gives you better sight lines. And they want the, you know, to, to see the open sky, and they want to be able to have those aerial shots. That's really what it's all about because it aesthetically it has a better appeal on television. That is the truth. All right. Hey, I got a feeling. No, I, 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 I believe you. That, that, that does make sense. But I, and that's I, coming straight. That's not me. That's not me. That's coming straight from, from the horse's mouth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I get you. And I, 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 on the one hand, I understand that. But, again, I, if you're the home team, it, in my opinion, it should be your call. And I, and I felt that way in Toronto and Milwaukee in those cases as well. Yeah, yeah. Postseason, Major League Baseball dictates everything from the amount of tickets that the that the players and the teams get to the location of the seats to what they're doing from start times. Everything the team has has no say whatsoever. Grounds crew, all of that stuff. If the grass needs to be cut, it's Major League Baseball that uh, states that. It's crazy, Stevie. Every little thing here, and, and I've seen this over the years. It's uh, it's insane, but that's what they do. They're in control. Well, you you play 162, and the, and the guy with the better record, you know, earns home field advantage, and then, in you know, in this case, doesn't really get home field advantage. In certain aspects, I mean, you're right. They look like, hey, you're getting to host the game, you get the bat last, you get to have, you know, your fans uh, here. So that's that. But everything else, you know, it just even the design of the field. I mean, if you look at the field, now you've got you know corporate sponsors, and you got more paint on the field, and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny. So, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna, another thing that I wanted to, to, to point out as well, too, if you don't mind, is that I was kind of blown away how few Yankee fans were here last night. And as you know, Yankee fans are everywhere. They travel exceptionally well, and they usually, you know, make a lot of noise, buy up tickets, travel well, and, uh, and they're prevalent in every visiting stadium. When you, I swear, I saw very few guys in Yankees jerseys last night in the stands. And if my guess was, I bet there was probably less than maybe 500, 400 of 40,000 fans here that uh, were Yankee fans. And it was quiet. When they hit the two solo homers, it was very, very quiet, which is abnormal because, again, whether it's Boston, whether it's Chicago, wherever they go, I mean, a lot of times they take over those stadiums. You've seen the way it is in Tampa. I mean, but credit to the Astros fans for not selling their tickets to the Yankee fans. And I thought that that was pretty cool last night, that it was really a home field advantage. Because when the Yankees, and Dusty talked about this, he said when the Yankees were here um, during the course of the regular season, he goes, there was, there was probably, you know, five to 10,000 Yankee fans in these games. But not last night. And as I'm looking around the stadium right now, as people are just starting to walk in, don't see many Yankee uh, jerseys right now. I just wanted to ask you, watching the game last night, Alex Bregman, he's, he's fallen off a little bit. He, he still has, you know, he had 23 homers this year, drove in, I think, 93. So it's not like he's not doing anything, but he doesn't really feel like the guy that he once was. 0 for 3 last night. A- any signs of him kind of waking up? Yeah, you know, that's a great point uh, because when you rattle off those stats, it seems like he had a quiet year. But, you know, 23 homers, 90 RBI is still pretty good. And, yeah. You know, he's a gold glover. I mean, he's he's a fantastic guy at third base, one of the better third basemen in the league defensively. But, yeah, Greg, he's, he's struggled. And he he knows that he's struggled, too. And, you know, they've moved him around a little bit. He's sitting in that four hole uh, where earlier in the season he hit some two, he hit some three hit some five and you know, he's not your prototypical four hole hitter, but you got to get Alvarez a bat, you know, uh, in the first inning, you got to hit him in the number three hole. So it definitely makes sense. And especially when Brantley went on the aisle and was lost for the season, you know, a couple months ago. And, uh, I don't know. It just with, with Bregman, he can get hot, but he's still pretty steady. 
and witnessed by, you know, evident by those stats that you just reeled off. So, but yeah, he's, he's not as consistent as you'd like to see. He doesn't have a lot of the big hits like you'd like to see. And the guys that are starting to make the noise now are Alvarez and, uh, and, and, um, and of course, uh, Jeremy Pena, like you mentioned, but you know, Jose Altuve is the big thing that everyone's talking about. Altuve is what over 20 right now has not got a hit in the postseason. And Altuve is another one of those guys where he just, you know, he's, he, he starts messing around. He wants to mess with his swing and he starts chewing his fingernails more. And then it kind of affects his play in the field as well, too. He's got to get going. So last night he swung at the very first pitch of the game, which he does a lot, but he did that because he wants to snap out of his slump and he hit a ball really, really hard, but it was, you know, deep for an out in center field. But then after that, he continued to struggle again. And, uh, you know, kind of like Bregman, a lot of times these guys are, are, are guessing, you know, wrong and they get in prolonged slumps. So something to watch out for, but Hey, if I told you that, you know, like, as you know, that the Astros are four and in the postseason and your leadoff hitter, your all-star Jose Altuve, former MVP has batting zero. What would you think? <laughs> I think we're in pretty good shape because you you got yeah. you, you to figure you got to figure he's snapping out of that, right? Right. So he's taking extra batting practice again today, and uh, but man, uh, you know once he snaps out, I mean watch out for the Astros. But hey, they're they're playing so well with him struggling, and again you have to have your leadoff hitter, you know, uh, uh, you know on point. If you want to go, you know, deep in the postseason. Well, if you see anything in batting practice, let him know, TC. Help him out. <laughs> That's it. You know, uh, I, I will let him know. But Jose's kind of a free swinger, you know. But it, you know, and Jose gets a, a bad rap for people that don't know him. Dude, he is one of the most beloved guys in this city and this team. Dusty loves the heck out of him. One of his his all-time favorite players. Guy is great for the community. He's great with his teammates. You know, he's great with fans. Uh, so you, you hate to see a guy like that struggle because he does uh, put it on his shoulders and, uh, you know, he just, he takes it to heart, but, uh, uh, he really is a great guy. I mean, I, I've, I've loved my time here the last couple of years, getting a chance to know him. Hey TC, thanks for the time. Thanks for the coverage of the, uh, ALCS in Houston. Uh, we're gonna, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Jake Cornegay from the Westgate. Uh, again, thanks TC. Have a great time. Bring him some more luck tonight, bud. Stevie, appreciate you again uh, for filling in the last couple of days. Keep on keeping on, brother, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Jake Cornegay from the Westgate. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Dr. Is now in. Mark Knopfler in Dire Straits from back in the day when MTV was really a thing. Stevie Slapshot back with you on this Thursday afternoon. Let's head on down to the Westgate. Jake Cornegay on the line. How you doing, Jay, on this Thursday? Hey, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Call me for the storm a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's starting to pick up as we at uh, you know uh, football and the bases are uh, right around the corner. Right, football. It's if I remember correctly, like the first couple of weeks, the the public got the better of the books. But since then, the the books have it's been a pretty steady hold for you guys, right? Oh yeah, um, especially here. You know, we operate in so many different jurisdictions, and it's really interesting. You know, it's still kind of a new game for us when we look into these other states, and you know, we had. Uh, uh, mixed results this uh, past weekend. You know, New Jersey actually has been pretty tough for us because you, you think about it, uh, you know, you got the Jets doing well, you got the Giants, football Giants doing really well, you got the Yankees, you got the Phillies, and the Eagles. You know, and all all those teams have a part of New Jersey in them. And so uh, New Jersey has been struggling, but for us in Nevada and some of these other states, it's been very, very positive. Hey, Jay, uh, Dak Prescott announced today – now, according to him, the, the Cowboys haven't really said anything, but, but Dak Prescott has said he's going to start this Sunday. So you immediately take down the number and then, and then readjust? How, how does that work for you down there at the West Coast? Well, yeah, it's already built in 
for the okay. most part that uh, we had him, uh, you know, eighty percent chance that he was going to uh, start. So that still remains the same. But when we hear those type of situations, and you got to look, you know, in between the lines, you got to take all the information that you can. And I, I think what you see out there on the market is that Prescott is most likely going to start, but we don't know 100% if he's going to do that. We've heard that from other football players over the years right. where they said, I'm going, and, you know, they end up sitting on the bench and they're not even active. So uh, we, we take it uh, a little bit more than a grain of salt, but um, it's, it's about an 80% chance that uh, he's going to you know, take the field on Sunday. Right, I'm 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 with you on that. And it, like I said, it was when, when I saw it on Twitter, I, I made note of the fact that he said that, and there there wasn't really any follow up from the coach or the Cowboy organization. So you have you have to hedge a little bit on that. There's the possibility that maybe he doesn't go, but as you say, he probably does. And then yeah, and, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm go sorry. ahead. Yeah, Stevie. Yeah, what I was going to say is that you know you got a pretty much seven flat around town. Um, if it's a hundred percent. I, you know, what's going to happen is we'll probably see this on Sunday morning, you know, if not sooner. But Sunday morning, when it is 100% sure that he's going to take the field, and it could be, uh, you know, it could be 6 o'clock in the morning, it could be 8.30 uh, in the morning, an hour and a half before kickoff, you'll probably see those sevens go on the high side of that, whether it's 7 minus 20 or even 7.5. And, and then in college football, I'm, I'm- – I'm really putting myself out here. Tolua Tagli-Vailoa. Am, am I even close? For, for, for Maryland is, is apparently questionable, which shocked me because he got carted off last game and then had an MRI. And usually when those two things happen, it means games are missed. But uh, according to the head coach at Maryland, he is truly a game-time decision. So we'll see. How did that affect the Maryland line against Northwestern? Well, that... I mean, those situations on, on something like that, and every situation is a little different, you know, and we're kind of leaning on the side of caution that he's probably not going to play, but even if he does get out there, he's not 100%. Right. So, you know, you, then you have to grade how much that's worth to the line. And so we're kind of in between on that one as we're not sure exactly, but we're kind of leaning that he's not going to play. But if he does play, he's, you know, probably less than 70%. Also in college football, Jay, what the heck is going on in Alabama? And I'm imagining that you've made some money on them because people, you know, whatever the number is, they, they just lay it with Alabama. They're taking way too many penalties. And, and I got to tell you, and I know it's Nick Saban, but it, it feels like watching some of the games, there are times when he's getting out coached this year. Yeah, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, you know, you say that everybody – bets Alabama, and they normally do. But I'll tell you, uh, last weekend, everybody was on Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, even though that line went up, uh, there was some movement in the market uh, late that morning uh, on uh, Alabama where we saw all those seven-and-a-half shoot. It really wasn't uh, necessarily money that was coming in. It was just um, the market moving that way and got up to nine, nine-and-a-half at some places. But everybody uh, was on Tennessee. We really—that was our biggest decision, one of the biggest decisions of the year, if not the biggest one in college football. And you can only imagine how we did in Tennessee. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Tennessee uh, really that took a hit up there, which is fine. But uh, when when a team like Alabama fails to cover. Uh, like they have done this year. Right. A lot of people uh, are quick to jump off that wagon. Uh, it's really what have you done for me lately. And so Alabama, I mean, I, I think I think it was sold during that Texas game. When they, they barely won that game and obviously didn't cover, uh, a lot of people were not touching Alabama. And so uh, the betters are, you know, one, one of the faults for uh, let's say novice betters is what you know have you done for me lately rather than looking at the bigger picture but they certainly look at what happened last week and, and weigh in too much of last week's results into what they do this present week and uh, Alabama was a building story for them because they were not cashing tickets on Alabama so 
Uh, I can't say they've been su- supporting the Tide uh, after, I'd say, after maybe two or three games into the season. They uh, basically, uh, you know, they were neutral. They weren't really betting against them except for the Tennessee game. But prior to that, they were not betting against Alabama. They just weren't betting for them. Well, that, again, that surprised me a, a little bit, Jade. I, I, I get fully the uh, the last thing you see is is you know is what's true in 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 the public's mind. But I'm I'm surprised that they would jump off of uh, Alabama that quickly. Uh, let's move to the baseball playoffs. You mentioned that at, at the opening. Uh, I I thought the Mariners had a shot to do something this year. That didn't happen. That cost my wallet some money. Uh, Tampa hurt me a little too. Uh, basically broke even with Cleveland, but. Uh, I was riding Philadelphia and San Diego, so I'm I'm ahead just a little bit. How how are the MLB playoffs going for the books? Uh, fantastic. Uh, we one of the biggest liabilities that we've had in a long time were on the Mariners. It was really unfortunate because I wanted to root for the Mariners. Yeah. But uh, you know, I really thought they, you know, going into that that series uh, um, against the Rays, and it was like they. Um, you could tell they had a lot of mojo. They were very loose. Uh, they were playing with the, the house's money, right? Yeah. And going into that Houston series, you could tell. I mean, they could have easily won those first two games. Uh, and they were probably playing the best team in the league and took them down to the wire. Um, you know, because I was telling guys, if, if, they, if they beat the Astros, they're going to beat whoever comes out, you know, of the, the Yankee series. And... Um, I was uh, a little nervous about that just because we we had so much liability on them, and not just in Nevada, but other jurisdictions. Because if you remember, they were, I don't know, 10 or 12 games or something like that below 500 in in, uh, early summer, and they were as high as 300 to 1. And at those odds, you know, it it doesn't take much to start accumulating liability. And you, you move it down from 300 down to 200. 200 down to 100, down to 50. I mean, you still have 50 to one odds out there, and you're, you know, and you're starting to take in this money. And we took some larger bets uh, in, in multiple jurisdictions on the Mariners. So, as much as I wanted to root for them, I just couldn't do it this uh, this fall. But uh, the, the action has been terrific. I think the games have been great. Uh, the intensity. Uh, uh, I'm a baseball fan, so the baseball playoffs, no matter who's playing. Um, I'm, you can count that uh, I'm probably watching it. But uh, tonight looks pretty solid. I mean, really balanced. More more Yankee action than I thought. I mean, the ticket count looks like it's all on the Astros. Well, let's just call it 65-35 on the Astros as far as ticket count. But the money, the bigger money, is on the Yankees tonight. But we still sit at Astros minus 133. The total is 7 under 15. I, I noticed that that the line that the line has come down. Did, did, didn't Houston open about one fifty? Am I right? Uh, let's see. Uh, um, I'm going to just give you ours. Yes, we was we were as high as one fifty six. Okay. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we opened. It looks like we opened at one fifty. Yeah, and then got we got bumped up to one fifty six, and then from that point, it's just getting lower. As we speak, as we uh, let's see, we're yeah, we're at one thirty three, as I just mentioned, minus one thirty three plus one twenty three, seven under fifteen. So, so the betters, you think, are figuring with a full night's sleep now that the Yankees might play better tonight? <laughs> yeah, well, there's some out there that think that. There's uh, others that think that the Astros are going to go up to Neil, and uh, you know, like I said, the ticket count looks like most of the public money is on the Astros. But seems to be some of the bigger plays right now on the Yankees. But uh, you make a valid point. You know they were they looked tired. Uh, Did they? And uh, and yeah, yeah. Yesterday I thought they looked a little tired, and and that's understandable. So sure. maybe a yeah, maybe a, a full night off and 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 getting some sleep. Maybe even sleeping in today will do them good. So in the uh, National League series, like like I said, I've I've been riding San Diego and Philadelphia through the playoffs. I had. Philadelphia, uh, both games in San Diego, so I split that. So I'm ahead there. Tonight's game, I have no idea what to do with. I, I think I'm just going to stay away from it. But I would imagine that there's a lot of future play on San Diego and Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and you might have some, uh, some uh, 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 what's the word? 
liability. Liability yeah. is the we, word. Yeah, we do. Uh, we we have some on the Phillies for the the pennant, and a little bit on the World Series. But um, you know, after the Mariners, our second biggest liability heading into the baseball playoffs were the Padres, and uh, the Padres got a lot of attention. Um, they've always been kind of a popular team this year for some reason, but especially after the trade. Now, once the trade, the Soto trade, and all those additions that they made, they've been a real fan favorite. And, and I can understand, in, you know, the attraction to them. I think they're fun to watch. I think they got a lot of great personalities on that team. And if you aren't uh, Phillies or Astros or Yankees or Dodgers, you know, a fan, you know, this is the team, you know, you're, you know, there's not that many people that really dislike the Padres. So if, uh, you know, you dislike uh, all those other teams that have been around and have had success, you know, you're probably rooting for the Padres. So uh, again, looking at uh, the game tomorrow night, it looks like, you know, there, it, it, the trend continues. It, it looks like about 80%, 85% of the tickets, I know it's in the early going, but 85% of the tickets are on the Padres for tomorrow night's game. In the NBA, we've got a couple of games tonight, uh, Jay. Uh, one really interesting, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, the Clippers have owned the Lakers in the regular season lately. It, it's very lopsided. And and I noticed the, the, the public or maybe even the Sharps are, are, are betting the Clips. I think they opened like three and a half and they're up to five and a half. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we're at five and a half. It's been going up and it's more of a market as the market moves it. And uh, uh, you just see people moving and following it as, you know, they're trying to get a balance to it. But even with that move, the majority of uh, the money, majority of the tickets are in the Clippers. That loyalty that we've seen on the Lakers is uh, pretty much gone at this point. How how is the NBA opened up the season for you? That, especially this last season, there's been a lot of movement. Like Utah got rid of all their guys. Uh, one of those guys went to Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to be a little bit better this year. So how how difficult is it for you to make numbers when you don't really know how these guys are going to play together with, with so many new you know new faces on in, in new clubs? Well, I leave it up to our NBA guys because they really follow it closely. And, you know, Ed Sammons, Jeff Sherman, Jeff's a really big NBA guy, and, and I leave it up to them and, you know, to make those type of adjustments of how they feel, how, you know, uh, you know, the, the, what, what these roster changes that we're seeing, um, you know, they, they make those adjustments. And, and, you know, we kind of go through that quite a bit, you know, almost every sport, uh, maybe a little bit more so going into this NBA season. But I leave it up to those guys because they follow it very closely, and I have all the confidence in the world. As you know, those two guys I, I I've been working with for over thirty years, so I got a lot of trust in them. They better be right. <laughs> and the and the limits the limits are the same, Jay. In other words, you you don't lower the oh, limits yeah. a little bit till you get a feel for the teams. No, okay. no, no, right out of the gate, they're all the same. All right, fire away down at the Westgate. Um, <laughs> How, how, how about the uh, the opening to the hockey season? How's that going for you? I know the, the Knights won their first three games, so that probably cost you a little bit. But how about the rest of the league? How are you doing in the NHL? Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting, uh, especially the home opener. I, you know, there was a lot of action on that game against the Blackhawks. And, and um, I remember that uh, we had a lot of, you know, they were pretty big favorites. They were like three-something. Um, but you know, it's with with those type of spreads, uh, you're looking at you know everybody in town that feels like that's the goal line, right? And uh-huh. uh, I was actually at that game, you know, the Chicago game, and we're watching it, and I, I you know, it was a one nothing game. It wasn't a great game, uh, but uh, as soon as Chicago pulled their goalie, you know, I was like, oh, here it goes. Yeah. You know, it's like. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, Davey, but uh, you know the Blackhawks. Uh, or excuse me, the Knights hit the the goalpost. Um, yeah, I think it was Stone, he, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. And the other time it just went wide, but it looked like it was going in. I was yeah. like, oh, here you go. And, you know, I don't care. It's like, I understand it. You know, I'm rooting for the team, and whatever happens, happens. But I was like, I was kind of happy to see them hit that goalpost. Yeah, yeah. That was opening night, and there certainly was a lot of action on the Knights' goal line. And I think uh, tonight will be something – 
similar, but maybe not to the extent that we saw that first home game. I, I know that uh, you you love putting out props. Uh, do you do you do props on the Knights' power play, which is much better this year? We haven't specifically done the power play yet, but that's a good idea. You know, I I, I know that it looks a lot better. They they seem to uh, move the puck a lot faster and around a little bit more, giving them more options. You can certainly tell the difference in uh, you know the this year's power play, and I know the other teams are going to adjust to it. But in the early going, um, it looks a hundred percent better in my eyes. Uh, and uh, you know, putting up a prop. Uh, on something like that uh, it's probably a good idea we haven't yet but it's probably a good idea so thank you for that one well you got you have good eyes jay because they're they're now getting the puck to the middle of the ice which before they were just passing around it looked like an umbrella play for for whatever reason and weren't getting it to the middle when you get the puck to the middle that forces the defense to move and then you've got open guys you know somewhere there's space now created somewhere and they, they get the puck to that guy, and, and they've got a, a quality scoring chance. So it's, it's well, definitely. Yeah, it's like, it, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, the old power play was uh, around the perimeter, yeah. and they would hold it forever. Yeah. It was like, it was like I, I could almost call it. It's like, okay, it's going over to Marcheseau. All right, Marcheseau is going to hold it, and then watch this. He's going to throw it right back up to Stone. <laughs> okay, and now watch this. He's going to get, you know, get it over to Riley. And, and it's like, I mean, you could almost call it. It was like the Denver Bronco offense. You oh know? my it's like you could, you, you could, you could make the call. You know, very first down of. I mean, the first down Broncos running up the middle. That's the exact. I mean, it's easy call. That's how it, the power play looked. You know, with the night. Uh, you know, last year, this year, as you said, the middle. But not only that, they're moving it around a lot quicker than they did in the years past. They, they are. And, and and the other guy you could maybe put some props up, uh, Logan Thompson. He's fantastic. I, I cannot believe, you know, with the limited amount of NHL games that this guy has played, that, that he's as good as he is. And he, he's really quiet in there, doesn't panic. He, he's been really good for the Knights. Oh, he's, he's been off the charts. I mean, he's really – you could say that he won that game one because Chicago had some, you know, opportunities there and Logan – Logan uh, really bailed him out, especially in the first and third period. And then the other night, he just kept him in the game. Uh, you know, I don't know how many, uh, what was it, 30-something, 37, 38 days. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them were just spectacular again. So uh, it's great to see. Maybe they got a fine there because they certainly needed it. Yeah, they they, they do have a fine there. And uh, and and the guy in Henderson, Patera, I think is a, is a good uh, goaltender. And then they've got um, Isaiah Seville. Uh, down in the junior, so uh, they, they, their their goaltending is is fine for 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 the future. Jay, in my opinion, you brought up the Broncos. I got to ask you now, what what's going on there? Is is Russell starting to show age, or is he just not used to this new offense? And and is the public fading Denver and playing the under? Well, it's a combination of things in my eyes. Um, it's it's uh, part Russell. It's part uh, offensive line. It's part uh, receivers not getting separation, uh, and it's play calling. Um, so it's it's just a, a recipe for disaster right now. Um, I I'm really disappointed not only in Russell missing open receivers. I'm also disappointed in Judy and Sutton not getting separation. Right. They have a tight. You know, they just finally got the rookie tight end back, but their tight ends were non-existent prior to that last uh, Monday night game against the Chargers. Um, but the play calling, uh, you know, what I don't understand is no, there's like no misdirection. There's very little motion. There's certainly no rollouts, you know, and, and uh, um, very little uh, play action. Um, so it's really a vanilla offense. I mean, it, it's like a one-on-one, and, and I don't understand it. But um, it's, you know, even my – you know, I'm in fantasy football, and even my fantasy websites say Hackett is in way over his head. It feels you know? that way. Yeah, and uh, you know, and I, and then when they show the sideline, and they're all, there, it, it's almost like he's not calling the play. It's like he's asking the others <laughs> what you know the play is. It's like, hey you guys, what do you what do you guys think about this one? You know, and they're all looking. Wait, aren't you the coach? Aren't you going to call? You're calling the play. Yeah. And then, and then they go out there, and I mean that, 
some of the calls in the red zone and that one against the the Colts was just ridiculous. They, I think they had, um, I don't know, it, it had a similar situation against the Chargers. They ran it down. You know, they get basically were getting four yards a clip on running, and then, um, you know, they had that one play against the Colts, either to win it or lose it, and they had fourth and one from like the four yard line, so they could get a first down, but they they set up in a shotgun formation, no motion. Nothing moving, straight up shotgun formation, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is this is not going to be good." And uh, sure enough, he stood in the pocket and tried to hit somebody on the slant. And after you know standing there for about you know a couple of seconds and and trying to force it in there, uh, just had no chance of completing that. And uh, it's I, I just don't understand the play calling. It's. Uh, as a Bronco fan, it's very, very frustrating to watch that team. I I can see where that where that would be. Uh, Jay, thanks for the time this afternoon. the The Superbook has an app, correct? Oh yeah, oh, oh. yeah. We we got a, a full blown app, and uh, you know we got a, a promo going. It, you know, you uh, bet a hundred, you get a hundred for new accounts, and uh, uh, you set that up, and you get a free uh, hundred dollar bet. So um, you know, for those that. Uh, you know, listen, we got a lot of great uh, operators here in, in, in Las Vegas, and we shall be thankful for that. Um, but uh, if you don't have a Superbook account, you know, try us out, you know, uh, in, in comparison to uh, um, the others. I, I think, uh, you know, we will we'll be able to give them different opportunities, different pricing, different odds, you know, and have a little variety in there palm of their hand yeah sure i can tell you from personal experience boys and girls that's absolutely the case with uh, jay cornegay and the crew at the westgate superbook so download that app or hang uh, get on over to the uh, to the westgate and uh, get your wagers in over there uh stevie slapshot with you on this thursday wrapping things up um oh podcasts and more can be found at the uh, tcmartinshow.com uh showtime shown Oh, Showtime Sean Porter tomorrow will be down at the Westgate uh, filling in for TC. So keep it right here, AM 1400 KSHP. Stevie Slapshot signing off. Have a great weekend, everybody.